1: If you don't have friction burns, I don't know why you're stopping. That that's sort of the moral of my story. It's like
0: I have zero problems with you going and watching porn. Zero
1: problems. We'll say if you're in a committed, loving relationship and you're not thinking about what your partner wants, that is horseman of the apocalypse. Like that is so wildly problematic.
0: That's exactly how when people say, how have you had a 20 you know, year relationship or a 19 year marriage so successful? It's because we talk about this stuff.
1: You shouldn't have sex if you can't talk about it.
0: would you do with two different sex drives he wants it multiple times per day I sounds familiar and I'm good <laughs> with twice a week sounds familiar this this email is from Lisa Bilyeu <laughs> no, this has caused most of the issues in our relationship any advice we're in our early to mid 30s well as you said we definitely have been down this road mm. in our when we first met you wanted it all the time non-stop
1: if you don't have friction burns, I don't know why you're stopping. That, that's sort of the moral of my story. It's like, we still good? Are we chafing, where are we at? So yeah, uh, look, I have deep sympathy for both sides of the equation here because this really is, I mean, it's personality somewhat but it's also just neurochemistry. Like when you're talking especially about a 20 something guy and your testosterone is off the charts, it's like, that is the result. So, um, you know, to, it never, to be angry with either side of the equation just doesn't make sense. It's to fundamentally misunderstand the biology. Um, and this is yet another reason why I'm obsessed with the idea of understanding that you're having a biological experience. And that hormones, like you can literally, you could inject a woman with testosterone and she would want sex more. Like whether she wanted to want sex more or not, it would be irrelevant. You hit her with testosterone and all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, and her sex drive is gonna go up. You can deplete a man of testosterone and his sex drive will go down. So neither side is trying to be cruel to the other. It's literally a mismatch of hormones. And so, just recognizing that already is huge so it's like oh, okay cool so this isn't that you don't love me it isn't even that you're not sexually attracted to me this it's is not that, that
0: either one is right or wrong
1: very very important to realize because i think that's where a lot of the friction comes from is feeling like either side is doing something wrong or doing something to hurt you whatever um and you know, like always, communication is a big part of the, the puzzle. And so talking through that um, and figuring out where you guys come out. So now it's a question of what do you do to actually deal with the situation? So you're talking about it. You have to find out, like, is there also a collision of values, right? So there's the surface level thing of, hey, I want sex more than you want sex. And everything is okay if they're both communicating. It's like, this is where I'm at. Okay, cool. But what happens when one of you feels like the other should accommodate?
0: Right, yeah. Or one, yeah, you, you're looking for one person to always come over to the other side.
1: Right. So there's either judgment, you shouldn't want sex as much. Right. You should want sex more. Right. You love me, right? Yeah. Um, I've agreed to only have sex with you, and now you're trying to limit the amount that I can have sex.
0: Right. Shouldn't you want me to want to have sex with you?
1: Right. So that's where the real sort of um, the need for self-awareness kicks in, where you have to understand that you, you don't just have thoughts up here, right, of I want sex more than you or you want sex more than me. It's the and that means conversation. That means that you know, you are not a, you're not living up to your end of the bargain. When we got married, I had a subconscious belief that you were going to give me sex as much as I wanted it, or let me, go, let me go have sex with somebody else. Like if you're comfortable with two times a week and I want two times a day, I'm more than happy to give you the two times a week and then I'll go for all the other times with somebody else. You cool with that? Right? And so that's where when you have this just wildly divergent value set, if you don't get down to that conversation and really talk about it, uh, then it will fester and it becomes a problem and it becomes resentment Resentment becomes contempt, and contempt is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse that predicts divorce with a 95% accuracy rate.
0: All right, so I agree with you. So discussing it, communicating. Yep. Um, I was literally, as you were talking, trying to think back to how we handled it. Um, I think a big part of it was, um, there's a part of it that's, you want to be sexually satisfied. I have zero problems with you going and watching porn. Zero problems. So then it becomes cool um, if I want it twice and you want it twice a day, how much of that is porn? I want to make sure that you're satisfied. Like, for me, I know that I'm a little old school in this. I want to freaking satisfy you. Like, I absolutely. But I don't want to satisfy you. You to feel
1: the you have to caveat that?
0: Yes, yeah, sadly, I really do. I really do, babe. so it's,
1: interesting. It's
0: heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, but I think I do. Because... I and mean, even means people that want to backlash can backlash me. Sadly, I do, but I'm going to still say it in a way. I think it's super freaking. Important. I want to sexually satisfy you. But now I go for me. Forget about even you, right? Forget about how much am I willing to come over to, like if I want it twice a week, and um, does four times a week feel good because I really want to satisfy you? So now I'm not really doing it for you. I am doing it subconsciously for myself too even subconsciously. I am doing it for myself, too. Um, and then where does it spill over, where now I just feel like I'm a bit of a rag doll, right? And it's like, I don't want to feel like a rag doll. So I just go, oh, where is that line? And then we sit down and we discuss. I can't remember, so if you can jump in. The thing I do remember very specifically were vacations. Because we're always open about communication when we go on vacation. It's like, what are the selfish things you want to do on this vacation? Mm. Don't think about me. What are the things you want to do? And of course, for you, it was like, oh, sex, sex, sex. And hey, did I say sex and sex? Um, And you're very honest. And I'm like, cool. It's your vacation. That's something that you really want. Now, what do I want? And then I list off all the things I want. I want to sunbathe. And I want sex. I want to cuddle. I want some sex I want some good food and I want some th- right and so now it's like cool how do we put everything together and how do we both get what we want and that's the thing we're always looking to compromise it's never a no 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 you have to come over here and if not then this or this will happen and vice versa it's okay you want it twice a day how do I come over to your side how do we compromise Um, But it's not a either you give it to me twice a day or I'm going to look somewhere else because that just that wouldn't fly with me. Um, So, yeah,
1: man, this is a really interesting topic. You brought up something that um, I find utterly fascinating. So this idea of, you know, called me old fashioned, but I want to sexually satisfy you. I will say if you're in a committed loving relationship and you're not thinking about what your partner wants that is that is a a horseman of the apocalypse like that is so wildly problematic just realizing the amount of communication that it takes and negotiation that it takes to navigate through sort of mismatched sex drives or getting into like we're kind of low-key fighting but it's not really out in the open and so now like a lot of times i think the woman may be harboring some emotional things that haven't been resolved and she needs to feel loved to have sex the guy is starting to feel isolated he needs to have sex to feel loved and so you get like this weird tension of like whoa why are you trying to touch me and like you haven't even apologized for that thing that you may not even know that i'm upset about and the guys over here are like yo why are you icing me out like You know, I I don't even feel connected to you. I don't feel loved, which of course makes them not want to even figure out what's going on. So we're living in an interesting time where I don't know how much I would have thought about the difference between men and women had it not become almost taboo to talk about it. (laughs) And now that it's becoming taboo, that like part of me that has a real problem with authority kicks in. And I'm like, all I want to talk about is how men and women are different and the ways in which they're different. And I think it's, very disorienting for men and women to be together and for it to be taboo, to think that there are no generalities. Of course, we're all unique, we're all different, none of us fit the stereotype exactly. But there's some generalities, which are real fucking important to understand, and they will help people navigate that gap. And it's a different gap to navigate if The woman is the one pulling away. It's a different gap to navigate. If the man is the one that's pulling away, it's a different gap to navigate if there's just kids and everybody's busy. So it's like, you have to understand what is happening at a neurochemical level, at just like a brain setup level. The hormones of the situation are different. Like, is this somebody that just had their first child? Is this somebody in menopause? Those are very different answers. And so really, you're having a biological experience want people to understand that because from there you can navigate the situation effectively.
0: So then how would you then navigate it because as we've both, you know, for us it's your sex drive has changed over time, mine has, has been also the things but with my health and stuff like that. So let's say this person is in a relationship right now, um, they want more sex, their partner isn't necessarily interested, Mm -hmm. how do they bring up that situation? and discuss it without the other person feeling badly about right. themselves.
1: I don't know if we're about to get lit on fire, but this is the truth. And so people can do with the Let's truth, what they will. All right, so number one, you have to just openly communicate. So if you want more sex and you haven't said, hey, by the way, I want more sex, in a way that is meant to be heard, so you're not just you know yelling and screaming, like you really want to be understood and you wanna make sure that you speak in a way that they can understand. So, but talking about it and then recognizing that in a marriage, you have to negotiate this stuff. And that means that each of you are going to give a little. The person that doesn't want sex is going to have sex more than they ultimately want to to make sure that they're meeting their partner in the middle and the person that wants sex more is gonna be having sex less than they want to to meet their partner in the middle. And I get it like that feels somehow on the surface, like when you just say the words. If I just say isolated on a piece of paper in the abstract, somebody's gonna have to have sex more than they want to. Peep, fucking pitchforks, people are gonna be freaking the fuck out. And I get it in the abstract. In the abstract, of course, you should never have to do anything you don't want to do. But in the reality of a marriage, you should want your partner to be happy, you should be willing to enter into a negotiation to figure out Like, hey, how do we make this work? How do we make sure the incest taboo isn't kicking in? How do we make sure that you're fulfilled and you feel loved and heard and understood and seen and desired, you know? And for a woman, the big one, because as I was saying those, those are a mix of both male and female, typical. Uh, For the woman to feel desired is huge. And a misunderstanding of that on the male part, the need to externalize that desire, or even to rekindle it and to build it up so that they can get to the point where they're really sort of effortlessly um, articulating that. Finding ways to fall, to refall in love, if, if that re- is required, with your partner's changing body, right? That as we get older, none of us are feeling like, whoa, hey, this is as good as it was, you know, in my prime. So, but finding ways to legitimately be excited and turned on by your partner, no matter what, you know, whether they're getting heavier, whether they're losing muscle mass, whether they're just getting saggy or like whatever, like one of my superpowers is my ability to find things and say, I'm going to fall in love with this thing. Like I'm going to fall in love with the changes, you know what I mean? Mm. And I hope that I never get tested. I know I've said this enough that I'm almost just inviting fate, but like if you were to ever get burned, I would find a way to fall in love with that. And to me, that's just, it's just important. And we have this malleability and I'm not saying that it's easy and I'm not saying that there aren't some bridges that are too far, but I am saying if you're in a relationship and you're committed, like for me, this is forever, right? So it's like, well, it can either be painful and I just focus on how it's all bad and worse or I can find some in some way, something. Mm. Like when somebody has a scar, right? And you just think, let's take stretch marks. If your significant other got stretch marks giving birth to your child, that's so easy. That's such a no-brainer to be like, every time I see these stretch marks, I'm just gonna think about the life we've built together, that we've got children, you fostered life inside of you and you gave birth to that and you know, we're a family now and it's like, that's all we had to like give up to get this thing and that's reframing. And so being able to do that on both sides so that the other person feels desired, it's like that's the dance, you know what I mean? But to get to that, you've really got to understand what the other person is going through. They've really got to understand what you're going through. They've got to want you to win. They've got to be willing to do, like to have sex a little more than they want to or to have a little bit less sex than they want to, whatever. To like want the other person to thrive in the relationship.
0: I love that. And that's exactly what we did. And I think that that comes to making sure that you're communicating from early on. Now, Look, if you're in a relationship that you've been in for a long time, so you're not there, I would start to work on how do we start to open up this communication so that we can keep having these discussions. Um, But for us, that was really important. Setting the ground was from like, very early on where you had said exactly the type of how much sex that you want in you know per day or per week and then i had told you what was satisfying to me and then we figure out like it's like a dance right and i i'm so glad i love that i just left you to say the hard things um (laughs) but i'm sitting there going yeah 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 because you're 100 percent right it's like do we did we meet in the middle yes we did and that's exactly how when people say how have you had a 20 you know year relationship or a 19 year marriage so successful it's because we talk about this stuff
1: beginning to understand okay base assumption number one is that neurochemical cocktail of sex is incredibly potent so one of the things that marriage counselors will often ask at the very beginning is how often are you having sex Mm. not how often do you feel like having sex (laughs) how often are you actually having sex because the neurochemistry will bond you then it's like where is the sort of satisfaction level right because just like I had always said to you in our marriage I never ever want to have sex if you're doing it for me If you recognize, hey, for the marriage, for the neurochemistry, I'm going to go through the process of getting into an excited state, right? So there are things that work for you where we have to sort of warm you up and rev you up and get you to the point where you're actually now in the mood. So it's like, okay, well, let's do those things, right? And so that became part of the compromise of... I don't want to do it if we can't get you interested in the idea.
0: And just for clarity, we're not even just, we're not talking about actual foreplay. We're actually talking about, I want to go for dinner with you. I want to switch off our phones and just talk. I want to cuddle. Like all of that is the rev up for me.
1: Yes, which isn't just a rev up for you. Obviously talking now at a stereotype level, there's going to be differences, but stereotypes become stereotypes because there's enough meat there. Um, that's true for a lot of women. Mm. So, um, of course, Sting made a comment one time that sex lasted for eight hours and people thought he literally meant that he had sex for eight hours. And he was like, that's not what I was saying. What I was saying is that for the woman, she needs to feel that deep sense of connection, that they're engaged with each other and that the foreplay could be going to the store and shopping, but I'm paying attention to her and I want to know what she wants and I'm fully engaged and present. And that—that's a big part of the lead-in for her to feel receptive, and like just recognizing that to me is so important. And it's like you—you you cannot bring two people together. And I have often wondered if this would be easier in um, gay couples. If there is—if that would actually be easier. I haven't looked at the literature what to know. Reason. Would it be easier for me to be with another man who is more likely from just a neurochemical standpoint, from a hormonal standpoint, to have a, a more similar sex drive oh, and to view sex the way that I view sex, right? Which oh, is, right. I want to go from zero to punchline immediately. Why we
0: have to make that movie, babe.
1: Which, uh, you're talking about <laughs> well, yeah. the, okay, you're not, you're being coy about it? Yeah. Um, it is... Utterly fascinating to me that you're taking at least in a, a heterosexual couple and hetero means different so you're taking these things that are different and you're bringing them together to cohabitate to live their lives to to for you to be the sole sexual outlet that I have, barring solo time and trying to make it work
0: that's another thing so. I don't know if this is derailing the conversation or not derailing the conversation, but I remember when I was younger growing up and hearing other people and, you know, in my um, late teens, early 20s, where so many people were against their partners looking at porn. And it meant that they didn't find them attractive. And I, I, I was always confused about that because I was like, but for me, again, just for me, if I'm with my partner, and he wants more sexual pleasure than I really want to give. Why do I have a problem with them going off and looking at porn? Like to me, it's like, okay, I wouldn't want if I have a need, and let's say I'm trying to think of a very quick need that you can't fulfill, but I if I have a need that you can't fulfill, but you're like, oh hey, but go over here and you can get it over here with no damage to our marriage, to our relationship. I encourage that. So me and you were very open about Basically, when you're watching porn, it's like, okay, have fun, babe, you know, and it's funny, like, I get, I'm, I'm getting a little embarrassed in saying that out loud, I don't know why, but it's true, like, so many people, I don't know if they have, they have that open communication, but that was huge, because now there's no, like, the idea for me breaks my heart of someone having to sneak off and do that in private. Where you have a need, you feel, but you don't want to tell your partner because maybe they're going to take it as, you know, a, a dent on them, or like maybe you're going to in, trigger their insecurities. So you have to do it in secret. And now, you know, me and you talk about just secrets. We have zero secrets, even to the point where sometimes it was like I said to you, yeah, close the door, and then realized the next day like oh shit, I lied to him that I didn't actually close the door. I'm gonna like, come and tell you like, babe, you know, yesterday I said to close the door. I'm so sorry, I actually didn't. Um, I don't even know why I said I did. Like things like that because it just. Like, we want to always have so much tr- openness mm. and transparency so that when something happens, I'm like, oh, well, he's already proven over 20 years he's going to be honest with me, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt over right. here. But, like, with that sort of thing, it's not just the porn itself, right? It's the hiding. It's the once you have to hide something, now you start to feel like it's taboo and that it's bad. And, like, I never wanted you to feel like looking at porn was going to be a bad thing. It's like if you're having fun, go for it. Um and that has now opened the communication between me and you, it hasn't built up a wall, it hasn't given us this um, thing between us that um, maybe one you know that could be seen as bad versus good.
1: Right, yeah, I think that's super important is finding there's a lot of judgment around, um, and this is like floating in the sort of cultural sphere, but a lot of judgment around, oh, you know, he wants it all the time and he's just a dog or whatever. And so that does like, I don't know, that doesn't feel good. Um, And then women getting pressured by a guy to have sex when they don't want is also super shitty. And so being able to, the, the thing that we settled on, I can't believe we haven't said this yet. The thing that we settled on is I'm never going to be afraid to ask for sex and you should never be afraid to say no. And that was where we came to. Don't make me feel bad for wanting it. And ever. I will never, and I will never make you feel bad for not wanting it. And so that has been a great dance. And I don't understand people though, that have a judgment where it's like, let's say that you want sex at a time where I am not in the mood, which, believe it or not, has actually happened. And in those times, I'm like, yo, if you want to, 100%, like, I'm down for it. Um, It's not where my head is at right now for whatever reason, but, like, I'm totally game. That doesn't feel weird to me. It's like I, I trust you implicitly, so I don't feel there's no sense of danger to you know, putting myself in a sexual situation, even though like my head isn't necessarily there and it'll take me a minute to rev up, but like, you know, I want to be there for you. And the deep sense of comfort and trust that we have over 20 years, it's like, you know, it's, um, you shouldn't have sex if you can't talk about it. And so it's like to not be able to, to say like, I'm I'm so in this and you've earned my trust and I love being with you. And I understand the, um, the way that the hormonal cascade works enough that, hey, unless something really rough is going on, in which case I would say, look, I'm way too stressed or something sad, like I can't imagine being sad and trying to have sex. Um, but it's like, it, if you touch it enough, I'll be ready. <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's like, there there are ways to make this get going. Oh,
0: we're in a, well, at least me, I'm not that easy.
1: No, of um, course. Radically, <laughs> radically different no, things. No, but, but.
0: It's, it's good to know, though, those things, right? Because it's like, I know. And then in that moment, I'm like, okay, bless him. I know that I can get him there. But if, he does, if he's tired, it's like, you know, so then we can talk about it and then address it.
1: I just don't think people should feel weird bringing it up and I don't think people should feel weird saying yes when it's yes to I love this person and just want to see them smile and it's not yes like I'm super in the mood right now and I don't think people should feel bad when the answer is no and I'm just not there and right like like they take
0: it a dent on you like I'm no longer attracted to
1: me yeah like
0: and that was actually one thing do you remember fairly recently I can't remember what happened it might have been like Valentine I can't remember but um I said to you actually I was like Because you, I think I went to make a move and you're like, ah, I'm actually not in the mood right now. And I was like, oh, I just want to make sure that you feel, you know, sexually satisfied because our sex has changed over the last few years. And I remember you just looked at me and you're like, I'm no longer that 24-year-old, you know, guy that you met. And in that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. But that's why we still keep talking about it. Because if I hadn't have said anything to you, if I didn't ask if I don't, if we don't constantly ask, constantly check in. If I was insecure, I may have thought mm. it was about me, right? Like, if you're watching still watching porn, but you want less sex with me, oh, am I less attractive? Do you not like me now? Right? Like, I could for sure, the freaking Lisa's negative voice will keep going.
1: I will say though, that would be concerning in a relationship for me if the person is watching porn and saying no to sex with a spouse, it doesn't, I I would just say, if your goal is to have a long and healthy marriage, you want to change that ratio.
0: I remember on our first date, you were like, yeah, you know, I don't look for sex on the first date. And I was like, wow, that's really impressive. Like, and then that night, you try and have sex with me. And I'm like, this motherfucker, like he just said that he didn't want to have sex.
1: The funny thing, I wasn't running game though.
0: And the funny thing is, that's
1: how bedazzled I was by you.
0: But the funny thing is, I actually didn't think of it as like, he just freaking lied. I actually believed you in and said it. So now I'm actually in reflection, I'm like, huh, that's actually interesting. But when it just comes to compatibility, like if I'm looking for a long-term relationship, I personally, and again, as you said, for me, this is what I'm going to say, for me, Being sexually compatible is a must in any long-term relationship, like, for me. Sex is very important to me. It's a very important part of our relationship. So to not have sex compatibility there and know that ahead of time before, like, I commit to a relationship um, is just important to me. So I would personally not wait until marriage because, again, that is just one thing that is extremely important to me. Um, And then... I think it kind of goes, I'd be a little like, I don't know if it's controversial or not. But like, let's just say it's for a woman. What do you actually want? Like, you want a one night stand? You want to go have fun? Like, go have fun. You know, like, uh, men talk a lot about like one night stands, but for women, like, again, for me, it's like, well, what am I looking for from this person? Am I just wanting a fling? Great, I'm going to jump into bed with them and have some fun, and there you go. But if it's a long term relationship, I think I would take it slower. I think I would, um, because sex isn't the primary thing for me of why I'm with that person, why I'm communicating with this person, why I'm texting them, why I'm calling them. It is potentially for a future with them. So if that's the case, I would, I think, take more time to hear what their values are, to see if we are compatible in mindset, compatible in the way that we think. Um, And then I think I would then build the trust to then have sex. But if if I'm just personally looking for a fun time, then... I don't need values or compatibility. I just need a fun night, safe, of course. But so again, I think it goes to what you're looking for and then where that comfort level is for the individual. Because if you're having sex, in order for them to value you, that's obviously a disaster waiting to happen. So just really thinking through what the reason is of why you want to have sex with them and then just own the reason.
1: It's a very good answer. This is... uh it's really an an interesting sort of scary question when i step outside of us as the people doing it and i think about like if we had kids you know what would my advice be to my 21 year old son or daughter it's really interesting there's so much complication around it and i think that you know safety and trust really are sort of the core pillars of that like you there is a line that's crossed with sex that is and it's funny now i'm definitely looking back on it in a way i did not experience sex like this when i was in my 20s but now in my 40s looking back and you know thinking about just you you open your life up to that person in a way like from potential pregnancy to You're behind closed doors and like, wow, if you don't know and trust that person and feel like you're communicating well, um, that could get dicey. It's it's really a... It's an intense proposition. People do need to be super thoughtful about how they handle it.
0: And to be honest, I was kind of approaching this conversation assuming those things, like obviously making sure that you're careful and you're not putting yourself in, you know, or not even yourself, but like being in an, um, a tricky situation, mm. like assume all you do all that, assume that you're very careful and then, because it's gonna be hard, like especially in this day and age, like you said, um, to give advice when mean you haven't been on the dating scene for, you know, I haven't had to put myself out there for a long time. Right. Um, but assume all of that, then the advice being what you would do. Yeah. Have you guys ever gone through a sexual drought where one or both of you have had little to no sex drive? How did you survive it?
1: Okay, before I answer that question, I want everyone to smash the like button. It helps the algorithm. And now I will tell you that You're gonna say that we went through a sexual drought when you had your stomach issues. I was so worried about you when I say that it did not feel like a sexual drought because that was the last thing on my fucking mind. Um, So yes, I guess we did go through a dry spell, but it was so all-consuming, the medical issues, that it's it's a little bit like when you are sick, you don't feel like you're missing out on anything because you feel like so much ass, you just want to stay in bed. I was so worried about you, it wasn't like I wanted sex and wasn't getting sex. Um, So from that perspective, I don't feel like we've ever been through a sexual drought because we laid some early groundwork um, to make sure that we would never get too far afield. And I can walk through that, but I feel like you have something to say. Yeah,
0: I would just kind of like to give a bit of context in case people don't know. So you know, I had massive gut issues. Thankfully, you know, kind of seeing the other side of it now and feeling much better. But there was at least a year where I could barely, you know, eat. I couldn't work out. Um, my gut was so sensitive and I was so frail and, you know, malnutrition. We didn't
1: go for a year with us. No, signs. we didn't
0: go through a, for a year. But each, every week, it was like, babe, how are you feeling? Like, mm. and so you, I need to preface everything by saying, you are the most understanding, loyal, supportive husband, like, when it came to that, you really were getting all emotional. Um, you were so wonderful, babe. You never, you never made me feel bad at all. And I'm saying it because you, even now you were like, oh, well, no, it wasn't even a sexual drought because you didn't think about it. And if people know how sexual of a man you are, like, so you're such a sexual man and you'd said that from the get-go when we first got together, you, you know, said, I'm never gonna have a sexless marriage, it's very important to me. So when I got sick, you didn't batter an eye. So it's beautiful and amazing to hear your side of it. But for me, it, it was something that I struggled with because you never made a peep I knew how important it was, and I was a sexual person. Like, I loved feeling sexy. I loved feeling like a sexual being. I loved it when you would, like, grab me and throw me on the bed. Like, I freaking love that. And it was exciting for me. I felt connected to you. So, the fact that you couldn't do it, the fact that every weekend it was like, oh, can we, can we not? Babe, what position? Like, oh, do you wanna stay? Like, you were just so understanding, which you know, is wonderful, but I didn't feel very sexual. So it was, you know, feeling really badly for my own sake. Um, and so that was really hard for me. And so how I dealt with that, that I would just talk to you about it because I was like, I can't tear myself apart inside and worry. Is he secretly holding a grudge? Is he secretly, you know, um, Like, I don't ever want you to hide and run and watch porn and hide from me. Like, I want to be able to talk about it and be like, babe, how are you feeling? Like, do you want to go watch porn? Like, how can I help? Um, Because it was something we were going through together. So it was very hard for me in that situation. Um, And I felt that talking about it just eased it. Um, Because I would talk to you about the fact that I wouldn't feel sexy and I would talk to you about that I miss it. And um, that really helped. So... The only thing, like, I guess the advice I can give in this situation is to be open about how you're feeling. It's no judgment, it's no pressure on the other person. Um, But, and then also, you know, one thing me and you do often is to talk about, like, just on a general, you know, it's a three-day weekend, and we have our list of questions, and it's like, babe, how sexually sad? I think I even asked you that fairly recently, <laughs> just out of blue, because I was like, oh, you know what, I don't know if you come on to me as much as you used to. So I was just like, babe, are you say and you're like, yeah, of course, babe, I'm, I'm just not 25, you know, not I'm just not 25 anymore. So um, thank you for asking, but yes, I'm fully satisfied. So just making sure that articulating, checking in with your partner, doing it like a regular, like if even if you just had it on your calendars, like a once a month ask each other, that way there's no pressure of having to bring it up and actually like set aside time. It's just like, oh, like what would you change? What would you wanna do differently? Um, and then have, having that open dialogue.